today. Um, and as always, I'm so expectant. So again, as we've been expecting with the music, let's be expectant with Mark and his word, Lord. And I thank you so much for him today. Thank you. Hey, guys. How are you all doing? It's really good to be here today. So good to see Tim and his wife, Tabitha, here today. Tim's much loved, um, sort of grew up here. Um, the church corrected all mum's faults and errors and parenting, and he turned out reasonably well. So, so yeah, it was, no, so good to have you guys here, and see, obviously you guys are flourishing and going really well. Really nice to see you guys. So, um, All right, it's going to be a good morning this morning. We're just back from three and a half weeks in Southeast Asia, which was awesome. People have asked, how was the holiday? And... Um, my response has been every part of it did what we hoped it would do. Uh, it was really cool. And so um, we uh, went to three countries. We started in Cambodia uh, just for a couple of days in Phnom Penh, and that was really nice. And um, for the students of history, we, we know that there's great genocide, um, probably the, apart from the genocide of World War II. That was the, the greatest single genocide in the history of the planet happened in Cambodia in the 1970s and 19. 80s and so it's just really interesting there's a genocide museum there you can go through that and see where some of that stuff happened and all that but just really interesting to see how a country recovers from that really interesting to see how 30 years on what's it feel like to be in the country and how are they approaching that how are they handling that because sometimes I think the things that we worry about and the things that we fight about in our nation can be sometimes a little bit more trivial than what I'm talking about here. And um, they have, and we happen to be there on this day totally accidentally, they have an annual hatred day. Now, it's not what it sounds, it's not the day where you actually go around hating people. It's, 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 it's actually not unlike what ads did this morning where they stop and they reflect, it's a public holiday, and they basically say we're never going to let um, brother-on-brother hatred happen like that again. And so it was really interesting being there and just seeing the way they're rebuilding as a country and what's going on there. And from there we went to Vietnam and um, spent two and a half, three weeks there. And the second time we've been there and that's that's great experience. We love it there as well. And so I'm being a really sort of like I'm like a trip advisor here today. If you want any tips on any of this, just let us know. But just once again, so much history. And, um, you know, for, for us, for Americans, for the French, you know, there's a whole lot of history there. Um, we have, One interesting thing that happened was... Um, we were at in Hanoi, so in, in um, the old North Vietnam, as some of us would know it, um, now the capital of Vietnam. We were going through a place called the Citadel, and the Citadel is like a, the parts that are a thousand years old, where the you know, ancient kingdom was based, and it was their fortress, where they came when they were being invaded or they were in trouble. And um, underneath it, there's a bunker you can go through, and I took photos of it. It's on Instagram. Follow me if you want. My, my Instagram feed is amazing. It's better than Pernos by far. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's, um, and underneath is, is all the old maps from, from the Vietnamese War, what they call the American War, where um, all the troop movements and the divisions are placed and, you know, concrete reinforced so when the bombs fell it wouldn't... And that's where, you know, Ho Chi Minh and others, they, they conducted their battle and you can walk through those places. So anyway, we were, we were right there above, you know, above the bunker and we were just walking around and this young man came up and um, um, they love practising English on you. So if they see you students or high schoolers or whatever, a lot of, it's just got nothing to do with God at all. Is that all right? So, so all right. So um, they just come up and say, can I ask you a question or can, you know, I'll say hello. And so this young guy, he looked probably about 18, probably means he was 87, but you just can't tell with, with some of these Asian folk. So, so this young, looked like a young guy, came up and um, 
just said, <laughs> in English, because I don't speak Vietnamese, so it needed to be in English, she just said, what do you think of the war? And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> That's an interesting question. So I thought, I need to buy myself some time here. So I said, what war? <laughs> so, which is actually a pretty sensible question. Uh, and, and he said, actually, all of them. So the the war against the French and the war against the you know, Americans and the, the, the war against, you know, whatever. So he went through about three different wars. What do you think? Do you, what do you think has happened after the war? And um, it was a really interesting moment. And uh, what, I don't know what, what you'd say to that. But um, I just said, I think the Vietnamese people have had a really long struggle to find their independence and their freedom. And I'm really glad that you have. And that was it. And so he thought, oh, well, I like that answer. You know, he thought, phew, I passed. <laughs> and, but it was just a really interesting moment. And, um, and, and Nancy said the same thing because she's in Vietnam last year. There's not a lot of bitterness, not a lot of sense of you know, vin, you know, vindictiveness. Just um, people are very open. And once again, 30, 40 years on from some pretty heavy stuff, how do you move ahead? How do you heal? How do you live together? How do you grow together? It's just really, I think some challenges. We've got a great country. But I think there's also some challenges for us in there in what we actually fixate on or the things that we worry about. And um, from there we went to Singapore and um, had the last couple of days and little Edie almost wrecked that for us. So, um, so she was really sick, she was in hospital, really didn't know what was going on. She was on oxygen for a tube for about a week or so or maybe something. Marty will correct me if I'm wrong. So we get a couple of phone calls from Rachel, she's a bit distressed. And, um, and so FaceTime and we were flying out of Vietnam one of those, one of those days and we, we decided to go to Singapore anyway, not come straight home. We thought maybe it would be okay. So we got to Singapore, Singapore time about one o'clock in the morning. So we got to Singapore at one in the morning, flew in from Da Nang in Vietnam and we, we had accommodation booked for a couple of days. Got to our hotel about two o'clock and we're pretty up because we're worried about Bubby and so I went down to the bar and tried to get a cocktail at 2 o'clock in the morning. So apparently you can't do that. So apparently most bars don't serve cocktails at 2 o'clock in the morning. So, so, so anyway, so we, we got to bed about 2.30 in the morning. Um, for those of you that are, it was non-alcoholic. <laughs> um, so we got to about 2.30 in the morning, we got to bed. Set the alarm for 5 o'clock, I think, or 5.30, because if we wanted to catch an 8.30 flight home that morning to help out these guys then we needed to be at the airport by 6.30 in the morning. And so we gave ourselves three hours sleep and um, we were that close to coming home. And then Rachel, I think, um, texted us through about 4.30 or 5 o'clock and said, it's okay, I think she's going to be okay, she's improved overnight. And so we, so we got to spend a couple of days in Singapore just. Which is good, because if we didn't, I would have resented them for the rest of my life. So it's just, 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 just the way it is. Um, but Singapore was fascinating and... Um, once again, it's a, it's a country that, um, you know, there's a lot of other history of Indigenous peoples and a bunch of stuff. Um, long story short, the British got involved, country formed um, through mainly okay means, some not so good. But, um, but basically, there's a, there's a guy called Lee Kuan Yew who's heard of him. He was a very strong leader and led the country, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years and really brought it from something quite... Um, for want of a better term, backward, um, and, really, um, and really brought it to this place now. It's this bright, shiny thing that's incredible. And so, once again, just what, what can happen in a country or a group of people? And so, for me, as you can tell, I love history, I love sociology, and it was just really interesting. Um, it it sounds like I was analysing and doing... I was mainly swimming, eating and doing nothing, but, but my, my mind doesn't turn off very 
easily. So, all right. So, anyway, that was... And, and for us, it just felt God-breathed. The holiday just felt God-breathed. According to the Bible, rest is holy. God actually ordained it and describes it as something sacred. And so we, we really felt that. It's ordained by God. And the opposite of sacred is profane. And I wonder, yes, it's me. And, 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 I, and I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, wonder, I wonder if we're not resting, if we're actually in some way being profane. And, and I wonder if we just need to recognise that if rest is sacred, then not to rest is something else. And that rest does something for our soul does something for our spirit it renews us it strengthens us it builds us it focuses us so just a little little tidbit before we get into it so thank you lord jesus for your goodness and your grace the way you've already encouraged and spoken over us this morning and may there be life on the things that we talk about together this morning amen all right um i didn't give colin or anyone any scripture verses but um we're just going to look at the first part of romans 12 verse 2 it's a whole long verse, but I just wanted to focus on the first one, two, three, four, five, seven words, eight words maybe. It says this, talking to a group of Christians in a city called Rome, some of you may have heard of, and it says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I want to preach on that. Christian, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I believe there are patterns that the world has that we're meant to be different to. We're meant to actually be different to, to be better than. Now, pattern is, is something, it's like a design or it's a decoration that is repeated, like you get a pattern in a carpet or whatever. It's, and the world has a pattern. It has just the way things look, the way things are, that just this is the way things ought to be. One of the things we did in Cambodia was we went on a Mekong River cruise, went to a place called Mekong Island, very creatively named, went to a silk farm. And they went through the whole silk process. And, and uh, whoever has seen silk being woven on a handloom? It was, like, bizarre. So, so like, these huge... I don't even know. I, don't, I just thought they appeared out of a factory. So, so anyway, apparently, the, there's these big wooden looms with, like, th thousands and thousands of threads, all hand-threaded, and they put them in a certain pattern and they press this button and push this lever and make this wheel go round and do this. And, and this thing forms at about eight centimetres a day. Um, that's, that's the silk that you, you buy if it's hand-woven. It's about eight centimetres a day. And that's, that's sort of what I'm talking about. The, there's a pattern that the world has that just forms day after day. Eight centimetres a day. There's this thing that forms. This is the pattern of the world. And I wonder if we're not conscious of that, if we don't actually step outside of that intentionally, that we might just become part of that pattern. And so when you're weaving silk, if you want the pattern to change, you either change the threads change the colours, you do something else, and it, and it shifts. And so I, I want to start talking with us for the next 10, 15 minutes about that. What, what could maybe we do to step outside of that pattern a little bit in this next season? So I think we can get really used to how things happen around us and we just get absorbed and we just become part of the pattern, which is what the Bible is saying is, Let's not do that. Let's not conform to whatever it is that we live in and the patterns that are formed around us. So the question, I'd, li I'd like to ask us a question this morning. And I'd like us to take a second to think about it. 
This is the question. Is there anything radical about your life? Let's just think about that for a second. Is there anything radical about your life? Is there something about the way you live or who you are that makes you stand out or are we just part of the pattern? It's a challenging thought, isn't it? Are we just part of the pattern or do we in some way stand out? Is there anything different about us? And so that's my worry is that the patterns around us can be so strong that we just blend in. That there's actually no distinctives about us as Christians. There's no unique thing about us as believers that we, that we just look like nice people in this pattern. And that's the real, I think it's a real challenge for us in that because I think ultimately where things are going in society, we need more than nice people in the pattern. We need something transformative that can show us how to step out of the pattern and be radically different. And so the challenge for us is... Because I believe every one of us has something radical. There's actually something every one of us has, and I'll talk about that in a minute, that I think needs to be expressed. And if we don't find it, we just become part of a pattern. Part of what's going on day by day. <clears throat> so what are some of the um, things that are the pattern, the what's it called? pattern or the standards of this world? A few things just off the top of my head. Well, not really. I prepared it this morning and last night, so it's not really off the top of my head. I'm lying in the house of God. So, all right. Um, I think making decisions based on money is something we do a lot of. Sometimes we make decisions based on, well, that's better for us financially. I'm just not sure that's the smartest reason to make decisions. It's a factor and it's important, but I'm, I just know so many decisions that we make can be based on getting a bit more money or a bit more wealth when ultimately, oh, I'm just not sure that's the way that we're supposed to be living. Um, this is what the research says about happiness and money. When I say research, I'm not talking about Facebook research. <laughs> I'm talking about academic peer-reviewed research, which has real credibility, not just someone posting a post, right? Because there's a huge difference. And what I'm talking about means that that research is reviewed by other professionals in the field and it actually builds on the knowledge that they have. It's not just some random bloke with a calculator saying, what do you think about this? So, so what the research says is this. Once your basic needs are met, increasing your wealth does not increase your happiness at all. Okay? Is that clear? Like if you're living in poverty, then yes, you're, you're, not, <laughs> you're not having fun. And, and there needs to be some, some wealth come in just to get you to a point where you can just survive without just being sick and miserable all the time. But once that happens, and I suspect everyone in this room is in this category, the increase of your wealth will make no difference to the increase of your happiness whatsoever. So why do we spend so much time? And why do we base our decisions based on financial stuff when ultimately it's not fulfilling, it's not going to help us be happier or more content but maybe it's the pattern that we all live in, and particularly in a place like Sydney where we live. The cost of living is so high. Money is such a big driver. But may we be different. May there be a different pattern that we live by. I remember when, um, when Liz and I first got married, we had our kids really young, so I think by the time I was 22, Liz was 18, we had two kids, and um, I was working in the public service in Canberra, and, um, and Liz, was, Liz was going to a playgroup now, of course, when you have your kids that young, all your 
parents at the same stage of life are 15 years older than you. So, 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 so you know, a lot of Liz's friends are just connecting with the kids the same age, were 28 or 35 or, or whatever. So it was, it was really weird, just isolating and all that. But um, I remember a couple of them said to us, and one of these couples has since come to faith, a couple of them just said, we would notice you guys back then. <laughs> you had no money, which is exactly right. We were, we were living in community housing. We were, we were really poor. But you were so happy. You had nothing, but you were so happy. And I, I think maybe even back then, maybe that was our little, maybe that was something a little bit radical about us. <laughs> in our naivety, ignorance, stupidity and, and youth, we, had, we didn't know we weren't supposed to be happy. And, and, and so we were just fumbling along, smiling through poverty. And, 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 but I just, I, I don't, you get what I'm saying? That was a distinctive. It stood out because it was outside the pattern. So may we find that thing that God has given every one of us that, that actually pulls us outside the pattern. What else? Um, sexuality. I think there's a, a pattern in the last 10, 15 years that's formed really strongly about sexuality and that everything around us just reinforces that and I think for us we need to think about all particularly if we're not married or even if we are how do we how do we do something different to what's all around us how do we somehow show the sacred nature and the intimacy that our sexuality was designed to actually create and to bring how do we actually express maybe a slightly different and that's really challenging when everything Heaven help young people today because everything is so sexualized, and yet without being weird and judgmental and whatever, how do we actually show the nobility of sexuality and the intimacy it brings and the joy and the... Oh, how, how do we? Maybe that's an area that we, we could end up learning to be radical in to help others see maybe a different way than what's all around them. Travelling through Asia is flippin' freaky. Um, there is selfie sticks everywhere... And there's normally people on the other end of them taking... And so, seriously, some of the places were really touristy and you, there would be literally hundreds of people taking selfies with selfie sticks or not, all pouting, all... What is, what is it? Duck face? Whatever they... I don't know. And they were draping over monuments and taking photos. And we spent one afternoon in Cambodia at a... We were at a hotel at a rooftop pool overlooking the Mekong River. It was awesome. There was two, I think maybe Chinese um, girls, and they spent, I don't know, three hours, I think, and they would have, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm, I normally exaggerate when I preach, but I'm not exaggerating. They would have seriously taken 1,500 photos in that three hours in various stages of whatever, um, and I, I'm sitting there going, what is wrong with us? What, what we, so, uh, so what, what, one of the, I'm not making sense yet. Am I making sense yet? Okay, all right. There's something called body dysmorphia. And there's actually a disease called body dysmorphia disease. And what that is, is that we have such a warped perception of how we look and the faults that we may or may not have, imagined or real, that we need either Botox or liposuction or plastic surgery or to take steroids or to whatever to actually make us look the way we think we should be looking. So that's actually classified as a disease, but there's a, I think maybe underneath that, particularly for the generation coming, that's a huge thing. Now, it might not reach pathological levels, which means it might not reach the level of disease or where clinical interventions needed, but I think 
young people are struggling with this whole issue that thus the selfies, thus the filters, thus the, um, you know, make yourself look amazing on Instagram. There's a pattern. And so for our young people particularly, how important is it that we actually can model something different, that, that there's a love and acceptance of who we are, that God has for us. So may, may there be some radicals here that actually can convey a different message to the generation that's coming up. So I, I don't know, these thoughts are forming, but that body dysmorphia one came out of my trip away. I thought, this is really disturbing. The pressure that society are putting on young people to look and be... And we all do it. You, you see people on reality TV, you think, man, you're butt ugly. But, they've had, but they think that, they're, that, that what they've done actually makes them look better. And we go, ah, terrifying. But, but that's what body dysmorphia does. We can't actually recognise beauty anymore. We can't actually be confident in ourselves anymore. And I think it's something that we have to be aware of because the next generation is not going to find this easy. And we need to have an answer to some of that. Pattern of this world is, is consuming, it's accumulating. But there is another way. I'll use what I need, then I'm going to share the rest. That's not really common, that's not the pattern. But may we be different in some of these areas. I think Liz and I have given away four cars now, um, some of them to our kids because they keep breaking them, but we've given away four cars. But the cool thing is, I think as of a couple of weeks ago, we've been given eight cars between us and our kids. So um, we've always, if, if you've got enough, just, just spread it around a bit. You know, have enough for your holidays and some things that are important to rest. And, but otherwise, seriously, how much do you need? Let's just, just be generous with, with what we've got. Here are some words to, to summarise this little stanza. Here are some words that describe the pattern of the world. Me, money, accumulate, whatever feels good, entertainment, anger, entitlement, maximise potential. Here are some words that I think probably come out of who we are as Christians, come out of the Bible. We rather than me. God rather than money. Remember Jesus made that like almost like a, there's a choice. It's not between God and some random other thing. It was either God or money. Jesus made it really clear. These are the two big players. What are you going to serve, God or money, one or the other? And so for me it's actually, maybe it's even blunter than we think that actually it's, it's money or it's God. There's, that's sort of it. So rather than accumulate, share. Rather than whatever feels good, whatever has life. Rather than entertainment, purpose. I think, why do you see so many people who are rich, famous, so unhappy, broken relationships, a whole bunch of things? It's when we haven't got purpose, I believe we go to entertainment. When we haven't got something to live for, we just need to be entertained. And, and I think we just, people desperately need to find purpose. And I think that's one of the drivers behind a lot of celebrities now doing altruistic stuff, helping out in charities, starting foundations. They're actually recognising, actually just living for me, for money, is actually pretty hollow. And I'm not, and, but they've recognised, actually, how do we, how do we flourish? We, we actually be generous and we share and we do stuff for other people. So, uh, so rather than entertainment, let's go towards purpose. Anger or surrender. I think we, we've got a quite, we see in Sydney it's an angry city. But I think sometimes the answer is let things go. And we're not going to be angry anymore. 
Um, entitlement versus thankfulness. And I think thankfulness of itself. We might think, oh, what's, what's my radical thing? could be as simple as being absurdly and ridiculously thankful. Because everyone is so entitled all the time. But I haven't got my special thing. It's not really hard just to say, oh, I'm going to be a stupidly thankful person. And just, that's going to be your thing. I'm going to make a decision today. I'm just going to be absurdly thankful and annoy the crap out of everyone around me. But it's going to stand out and I'm going to be radical. So maximise potential rather than that. Sorry, maximise potential rather than that. Bible says we're supposed to do this, to lay down your life. I'll talk to that for a minute, then I'm going to wrap, wrap it up. And I, um, I want to just make sure I'm not saying that us as Christians, we're all got this amazing stuff going and the world is, is, is not good. I think of people like Fred Hollows and Bill Gates who don't donate either time, skill, energy or millions and billions of dollars towards helping people. So it's not just as simple as, you know, us radicals here in the church. If we've got people in the world being incredibly radical, shouldn't we be even more so? Because some of these guys are doing amazing things. Matthew 5 says that we're the salt of the earth, you and I. But if salt loses its saltiness, it's useless. And... and the, this, Jesus said this at the end of his teaching about blessed are the poor, blessed are the, the meek, blessed are the persecuted. He was, he was saying that all this radical stuff, we're supposed to be somehow salt and light in the world that we live in. One of the things we hear in church often is, is this. You know, everyone here, you have incredible purpose on your life. God is going to do great things for you. There is a special purpose for you, Michael. There's a special purpose for you, Tim. There's a special purpose for you, Mary. There's a special purpose of God that he has for your life. And God, as you walk with him, you're going to find it in him. I'm actually not sure that's true. And some of you are thinking, heresy alert. I'm going to tell Josh and Sarah when they come back what, what Sarah's dad preached on. Um, I'm, I'm not sure some of that's true. And we often base it on Jeremiah 29.11. And this is what Jeremiah 29.11 says. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. According to that verse, this is what we're actually promised. There is a plan that God will see through for you that will help you succeed. That's in that verse. My plans for you will be good and they're not going to be bad for you. They're not going to hurt you. They're going to be good for you. God's plans will put hope that lasts in your heart and God has a plan for a good future for you and not a bad one. That's what's actually in that verse. And for me, I think that's awesome. And I think that's enough. I, th I think that's actually enough. What, what I'm saying is this. I, I don't know that I'm special and I don't know that I have a special purpose I don't think I am I don't think I'm special but I think I'm unique I don't think you're special either I don't think there's some incredible special purpose that God has for you I think there is a unique purpose for every single one of us 
And maybe you think, oh, is there a real difference? I actually think there is, because if, if we think we're special, we, we don't actually need anyone else. Because we can do it, because we're special, we're amazing. We can do it on our own. But if we're unique, we know that we need each other, because I can do some things really cool, but I can't do that. And we need each other. And so I, I think it's important for us to think and recognise God's got an awesome, great plan for us. But it's actually, it, it, it's actually, it's unique and it's not some high, there's this thing too, the pastors, they're somehow special and different. And you're looking at me thinking, yeah, he's special, um, but, but they're somehow special and different. If, if that's the case, what works for me won't work for you. So I can't be special. I just have to have my unique gift and know what it is. And if I can do that, then I can help you discover that for yourselves as well. So... You know, I just want to talk about our church just for a minute and I sort of our church in a sense we're here every couple of weeks or whatever but at the moment it's sort of our home church. But um, I know we've had lots of words about what God wants to do through us, through the people here, through the people of Highway. But I think we have a way to go until we actually find how to express that and actually walk in that. So it's great to have the words but I think there's actually some growing into some things that we need to do First, and I'm hoping today's message will help. There is something radical that each of us bring, and if we can begin to find that and express it together, then we'll begin to grow into some things. So, but so I'm sort of where are we at? Yeah, we've got some good, encouraging words about what the future holds, but I actually think there's some building of us and some building together that's really important, or else we won't walk in it. Who knows when you get prophetic words, they don't just make they're not magic, when the word comes, they don't make the future. They tell you and I what we should be aiming towards and then we have to work it. Work it, baby. We have to work it. We have to work it or else they won't come to pass. And we'll look back and think, God spoke these words. How come they didn't come to pass? Possibly somewhere in there we chickened out or we we lost our way or we we missed a moment and we, we didn't quite see it. So I just want to challenge us about that. I think there's some great things being spoken but I think we need to be real about where we actually, what we need to become and to be if we're going to see those things happen. So I think there's a rising, and I'm speaking to myself as well, there's a rising needed. And here's the trick. It's not about being busier and doing more tasks. That just wears you out. I know. It just wears you out. It's not about that. But it's finding a strength, a confidence to be radical finding that thing that God's called you to be radical in and do it, being amazing at it. And so when you've got a whole church of people doing that, then you've got a pretty amazing church. So just finding those things that bring you outside the pattern that God has for you. I am, who here thinks Bruce Springsteen is the most amazing musician of the last 40 years? <laughs> All right, who, under, who knows who Bruce Springsteen is? All right. Um, he's probably one of his most famous songs. Like, he wrote all the good songs the last 40 years. So, he, I, I, as you can... I love Bruce Springsteen. He's just... I don't know. Just something resonates, you know. Um, but anyway, because um, I'm talented like him. But the... Um, he's, he's got, a, like, a, a thing out called... Um, I was going to say CD. It is a CD, but it's probably a podcast and a whole bunch of things. It's called Springsteen on Broadway. And it basically tells his story. Now, Bruce... This has got a point. This is not just Mark rambling. So... Um, so, I've lost my train of thought. Um, um, so, he's, 
Springsteen on Broadway. Now, Bruce Springsteen, probably most famous song is what? Yeah, born in, or Born to Run is the other one too. Even also, maybe I was born to run. And, it's, it's, and, and that's just like signature song. So that year close, but no cigar. Um, and, and, so, and so this is his signature song. And he talks about this on Springsteen on Broadway. And it's, um, it's the song that defined him, it put him into stardom. It's about this guy on the road, just in, in his car, just travelling, going places, and just breaking out of all the confines and doing all this stuff. And he says, there's <laughs> a little bit of an irony here, because um, at the time he wrote that song, he had never, ever driven a car, and he didn't even have a driver's license. And so, so what, what he did, he painted this incredible picture based on something he had no experience of. Then he says this, that's how good I am. And then, and he calls it this, he calls it his magic trick. I think, yeah, that's a really cool word. He had this ability to paint this incredible picture, this best-selling song about life on the road and living free, and he'd never done any of it. But it, it was like his radical thing. It was his magic trick. So I suppose what I'm saying, for what's our magic trick? What's the thing that we carry that sets us apart? That So what he's saying, oh, I, I can put myself in someone else's shoes and make it so convincing people are going to buy millions and millions of records. That's my magic trick. What's yours? What's your thing under the grace of God that's going to make you radical and see people around see something different about you? So Dean, <laughs> you know, I'm Dean and this is my grace. This is my magic trick. This is what I bring to the church and the community around. Nancy, this is my grace. This is my magic trick. This is what I bring to the church and the community that I'm a part of. I know who I am. I know I'm radical in this area and I'm going to bring it. Like I said before, you don't know where to start. Be thankful or just, just give a lot of money or something. It's, seriously, oh, I don't know where to start. I haven't got the capability. Just give away lots of stuff. That's what the Bible says. If your gift is um, giving, do it generously. So just be, find something and be radical in it. I'm not saying everyone just give all your money away. I'm just, just find something that you can express and find faith for that will take you out of the pattern and make be radical for you. I know we all think we don't bring March, I'm nothing special. And no, you're not. You're actually, that's what I'm saying to you. None of you are real crash shot. None of you are actually special. I'm not special. And nor was Jesus. It says this about Jesus, Isaiah 53. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was nothing special, but he was unique. And he learned how to connect into God, submit himself to God's will, and the rest was amazing in how radical it was. So we don't have to be amazing. We just have to learn how to submit to God. Let his grace flow. There's a cool verse um, in Romans chapter 12 about giftings. I just want to focus on this for a second. I've gone longer than I said I would. But I'm having fun. You might not be, but I'm enjoying myself. Um, now, this is only a couple of verses after do not conform to this world. A couple of verses later. So same chapter, same flow, same everything. This is what it says. You and I, we have different gifts, each one of us, according to the grace given to us. If your gift is leading, lead well, then it goes on. If the gift is generosity, give generously. 
In other words, every one of us has got the potential of something radical, given by God. Not because we're special or we're amazing or we're smart or we're beautiful, but because there's a grace from heaven that has been placed on the inside of us. And what Paul is saying here is learn how to express it so it becomes radical. Learn how to feed it, how to grow it, how to get yourself scared in it. Um, take some risks with it. The Bible gives a parable of the talents. You know, some got ten, some got five, two, whatever. Some hid them. May we not be those who hide them. May we take what those things are, and we might not know what they are yet. Josh and Sarah, Liz and I, others are happy to help you. If you're not sure, maybe point you in the direction. But take them and use them, because that's when they grow and something radical begins to happen. If we bury them in the ground, we just, like everyone else, we're part of the pattern. Let's, let's be confident we have something. But let's be honest with ourselves. Maybe it's actually just embryonic. And maybe we need to do something pretty drastic to actually push it out of this box and get it out there. Because more and more, I'm convinced the world needs to see radical stuff coming out of the church. Or else we're going to be utterly irrelevant in 10, 15 years' time. So we have to learn to be radical with that grace that God has given to every single one of us. So, finish with this. Um, I think, I just, yeah, thanks, Ads. And um, Paul said a similar thing. He said, we have this treasure in pretty crappy-looking jars. So let's get used to the fact that we're pretty crappy-looking jars, but there's some treasure in there. And, um, and that's that ultimately God wants to have us express that treasure, which is ultimately something eternal something of the divine, something of the nature of God, something of the essence of God, something of the presence of God, something of the goodness of God, something of the power of God, something of the healing of God, something of the generosity of God, something of the peace of God that needs to come out of our average, normal, everyday clay pots and be expressed to a world that needs to see something other than the pattern that surrounded them for all of their lives. Close with this, Matthew 10, 38, 39. It's a genuine close, I think, yes. Um, if you don't go all the way with me, Jesus speaking, through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. That's our challenge. Let's stop trying to self-actualise, to find this great purpose and be this great thing. Let's... Just recognise that as we submit to him and die to self, he promises we're going to find him and ourselves. There's a unique purpose we're created with. As we get over ourselves and submit to him, it'll come out. That's what that verse is saying. This is a secret. Stop trying to make something of your life and let God author something for you. Okay? Let's stop trying to make something happen. Let God author something for us. So in a year or two, my hope is that there'll be one or two radical elements to your life that you'll be able to say, yeah, I'm just normal, but the, the, there's a couple of things here that are pretty extraordinary. I'm hoping in a year or two, every one of us is going to have at least one magic trick, at least one thing that's transformative, that's radical, that's different. And no sermon will be complete without finishing with some chemistry. And... Um, <laughs> the, um, 
in, in chemistry, there's something called free radicals. And some of you might know what they are. I hope not, because I'm about to try and tell you something with some conviction. Um, free radicals are basically electrons or elements that, that where the electrons have come loose and they're not paired up the way they should be. So there's these like particles that are floating around, um, and they're, just, they're, they're supposed to be part of a pattern. They're supposed to be in electron rings. They're supposed to be circling a proton and neutron nuclear. They're supposed to be in that place. But there's these things that form called free radicals. And they're somehow outside of the pattern. And that's what I'm talking about here. That there's this pattern of order in the you know, subatomic world and there's these things called free radicals. I wonder if we're supposed to be free radicals. And what happens with free radicals is that they actually are incredibly good at connecting and linking in with other elements and other things all around them and forming new compounds and new free radicals. Because they're not confined by being stuck in this little carbon atom or whatever, oxygen atom they're molecule. They're, they're not stuck there. They can just wander around, find a connection, something forms, a new element, new thing forms, another free radical forms. I wonder if maybe that's a picture for us. Let's be outside the pattern so we're free radicals. They can actually do something a little bit different. Any chemists here, industrial chemists, biological chemists, biochemists, you can come and correct all that stuff later on. Bring the corrective next week when you get the microphone. But may we be free today from the burden of specialness, just recognise as a uniqueness and something of the nature of God that he wants to express uniquely to every single one of us. I think I know what it is for me. I know what I bring that may we each know what it is that we bring. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for everyone here today. Covered a lot of ground, bored them stupid with chemistry and sociology. But I thank you that underneath all that, you're wanting something quite radical and different to be expressed through your body, the church, in the generation ahead. So for every person here, I just pray for confidence to be radical Whatever's holding that back, in Jesus' name, I do take authority over it. Whatever mindsets, history, past, whatever things have actually boxed that in, in Jesus' name, we thank you that your anointing breaks through that yoke of bondage and actually releases freedom and life. And so for every single one of us here, and as a church, whatever constructs of darkness have attempted to box us into the pattern, may it break this day in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we be free to express what we need to express uniquely, each one of us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Any thoughts, Ads? What are we going to do next? All right, cool.